Welcome to The Squirt, everybody. This is one of your hosts, Kelly Hudson. And this is your other host, Bridie Elliott. And we'll get right into it today. Yeah, we've got a great show with a really exciting guest. We have today a very special guest. I met Maxine Dillon is her name. I met her in 2016 because she changed my friend's life and he said you have to meet this woman she'll change your life and i was going through a very um specifically like out of flow sort of maybe start of a saturn return um vibe when i was like 26 years old and maxine is an energy healer for creative professionals um and all people i would say um artistic individuals and she helps people um align with their creative process so they can uh, experience flow and um alignment in their lives and she's been such an amazing support and uh, wise person pillar of just um grounding and wisdom for me and i i feel like everything that i do creatively has um part of maxine in it because it's like it it feels like in our sessions there's always something that has been touched on and like been related to and um she's going to talk to us today about intimacy in long-term relationships and the energies at play in relationships welcome to the show maxine thank you thank you for that introduction bridey of course because i feel like a lot of this podcast too is like we're exposing all these weird shards of our sexuality and trying to kind of like make a mosaic out of like what are what's like the big patterns in our lives that are corresponding to what we desire and i feel like so many of our sessions are like kind of trying to integrate to like a seemingly opposing you know emotions or like ideas of um like what you should be doing or but what versus what you want or whatever it is like i feel like there's so much um integration in your work so I feel like you're a great person to have on to help me and Kelly just figure it out. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, this has been totally a journey for me, too. Like this this whole podcast, I think, started because Brady and I gravitate towards uh, talking about our sexuality in general. <laughs> and like not yeah. everyone is like down to do that. So thanks for being here to help us on our journey. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Of course. Um, Is there like a question or sort of um, something that you have found in your work of um, having to do with relationships that seem kind of maybe specific to 
our generation's way of connecting or like is there a prominent theme you see running through people's relationships with romantic relationships? It doesn't have to be during COVID, but because COVID's a whole whopper. Yeah, but. it's own ball of wax. I'd say that the number one thing I am really supporting people with is authenticity. And that we've been conditioned by our families and our society like you said earlier, we learn certain things that we have to do or we should be doing in the way that we should be or look or act. And that serves us for a while. And then as we become an adult, we start to see the thread that runs through all of our relationships that is maybe harmful or is not serving you, not authentic, causing you pain, doesn't feel like you. And so the undoing of that is really the healing process. So in relation to sex and romantic relationships, what I see a lot, I mostly work with women. I see women trying to figure out who they should be in order to keep their relationship. So it's almost like a checklist. Totally. And that also, like, I feel that is so conditioned. Like, we're so adapted to just morph and keep up appearance in so many different ways as, like, little girls, too. Just kind of, like... I don't know. I, I feel like there was so much, um, it sort of came out recently of like, you don't have to force kids to hug people, mm-hmm. which, which I think like I, um, when I first heard that, I like had some resistance to it because I also feel like there's not enough um, physical um, like contact anymore because there's all this like, weirdness around it but there's also like a lack of nurturing involved but then you just like feel how much of your life has been made to make other people comfortable and breaking away from that uh feels so hard it feels like you're you're like you've suddenly realized you've been camouflaged into a wall and you're like, wait, but that's the wall. And it's like, no, that's your body. Like you, you can't like disappear. Um, and I'm, do you feel like, like even just you saying that I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm still at like square one of like fully being aware of that stuff. You know, like there's still like positions I put myself in where that is solely what I'm doing at a party or like with new friends or with people I want to impress like I'm trying to over overshare or like make them feel you know something that I can't give or am over giving like do you find that I guess I'm curious about like is the conditioning, deconditioning process, like how long you think it is? <laughs> it, it's really, it's a lifetime 
journey. And it always goes through uh, phases of expansion and contraction. So like you're saying, for instance, the example of noticing, being aware, oh, I'm at a party and I can tell right now I'm overgiving, right? I'm putting on this kind of face or talking a certain way in order to give the other person what I believe they think they want from me. So that's the first step is awareness. So now, okay, I know that I'm doing that. So second step is to change your response. So the next time it happens, oh, I'm doing that thing again. Now I'm going to try to shift the way in which I speak into a more authentic alignment. And the way that you do that is by knowing how you feel in your body. And so as you do that more and more, you become more embodied. Your energy is more present in your body. And then you feel more alive. And hopefully you feel more sexy. Right? More rooted. Yeah. I've totally seen those two things go hand in hand for me. Just feeling more inside my body, more myself. Sexuality is coming to the surface. And I think it's, I think it's because I've been talked out of my sexuality a lot in my life. Um, because society kind of has this fear of what a, a you know whenever sexuality starts to blossom in a young girl it's kind of a terrifying thing um i think for our society uh it, it has so much power it holds so much power and it also i don't know what it is but we're just not comfortable with it like a young girl being like horny is just like oh my god that's a slut <laughs> <laughs> for our society it's just like okay that's the only that's the only label we have yeah, for that would you mind telling me a little bit more about that like your personal experience with that yeah totally um I was like I guess 15 or so um and I guess like my main goal was like I want to lose my virginity I want to like hook up with guys and you know I didn't totally know what was behind that it was just like a drive I always had like that I want to grow up drive mm -hmm. and then once it started to happen once that like hooking up with guys stuff started to happen it was like boom overnight like I was a slut like everyone everyone talked about it everyone said it and um and I knew that was bad but I didn't and I definitely didn't <laughs> I started to like really hate the attention from dudes who were just like oh i heard this about you so now will you do that with me and i'm like what what's what's happening like i didn't sign anything like i have to do this now like did i is there a contract i didn't know about um so yeah it was all very very confusing to me as a teenager because no one really let me in on that that was all going to be happening and i kind of went down the road of like I'm a sexualized human being without realizing that I was broadcasting it or what it would mean to broadcast it in a society like ours. Yes. Yeah. I had kind of a, not a similar experience, but like a, a similar moment as a teenager where I felt like all my sexual energy just came online. It was like 
all of a sudden like, whoa, Mm -hmm. I want that now. And like, what, what do I do with it? And how do I express it? And um, that's really, that's really hard. And I, I feel like, I feel a lot of compassion for, um, for girls who were labeled as sluts. I remember in high school just being like, uh, in one hand, so in awe of a girl who could express their sexuality so freely and, and like almost envious. And then on the other hand, noticed how it was like really hard for them to hold that. Yeah. Where um, do you go from there? There's no, yeah, totally. no instructions. Kelly, you, I don't want to bring it up for you, but you were like a kid model, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I went to modeling school when I was 10 and um, that was definitely like kind of like right after I felt my se- sexuality come online. Like 10 was a big year for me um, as far as like being like, oh yeah, it's like in me. I think it's pretty like interesting to that position of being like a child beauty queen <laughs> and what that does to just your consciousness as like, okay, I'm me, but I'm also an object. And we talked about this a little bit with Charles last time um, of like being cute for a while and then going through puberty puberty, and people being like, oh, you know, like you're not that cute anymore. Like suddenly the compliments leave and you're not, you're not the apple of everyone's eye. And then, and then like at 16 or whatever, you're, you're you've quote unquote blossomed as a, you know, teen and suddenly you're beautiful. But like, there's this like period of actually being a little bit thrown out that I totally remember too. Yeah. <laughs> of like feeling wave of affection leave from like 10 to 13 where I was like chubbier and like, you know, not fully in my body for you know as much as you can be then but like puberty and and everything and that having its own like real um real like confusing i i think a very confusing side to um puberty for me because it like it felt very in some ways i felt like not more sexual when I was younger as like a kid kid, (laughs) but like as a kid, I think that you feel more feral and free. And then there's kind of this like puberty going into society tunnel that you go through where suddenly you come out the other side and you like have your period and you are like a a woman-ish, but at the same time, you're like under society a little bit more like that thumb and that's like a bit of a mind fuck but you know I feel like yeah there was such a freedom in kind of not having your your goods yet you know (laughs) absolutely yeah yeah once once the goods came on board it was like a whole new level of responsibility and power that was horrifying completely for me that's as specific as we get here the goods (laughs) (laughs) 
That's our level of uh, knowledge. If we were to talk about more relationships and, okay, so the idea that a lot of women are just trying to hold a relationship together and that's like almost like that's the tools they want instead of the tools of being authentic to themselves. It's more about how to bridge the gap. It's more like, <clears throat> it's like um, figuring out how you need to be to make your partner happy. And, and maybe the long-term goal is to like keep him in the relationship. But maybe some examples are, well, I can't really totally express my emotions or show him that I need things. Right? I don't want to be needy. That's a big one. Um, the way that you present or look or what you wear, how you approach your sexual relationship. It's like they're not actually, and I've, I've been there too, and sometimes still am, like not actually connected to your body and what it is that you desire from your relationship. It's more like looking externally to see what works for other people and then taking that on for yourself and your relationship. Do you tell people or feel like, because I definitely am still learning to not look outside of myself for the love that only I can give, like I've totally, have seen the pattern of me putting on the traits that I'm trying to master or cultivate in my own life and seeing that in someone else and just wanting it from them <laughs> or like knowing that or thinking like we're puzzle pieces and we're I do this and they do that and that's and that's how it works but that feels very like almost transactional yeah exactly yeah which I feel like we've been taught so much that that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It seems like that's where origin like a lot of our monogamous relationships originated was from the origin of property as a concept. I mean, I read that book um Sex at Dawn, which was like it was basically telling us where monogamy came from and how, of course, it hasn't been around forever. And once we went away from hunter-gatherers and started um, agriculture and started owning property, that's when the like whole like one man, one woman thing started. And, and I think that's why it feels so bizarre sometimes. And, and so like, this is a deal. This is a, a societal pact we're making. Um, you do this, I do this. That's like, it's a deal, you know, like let's sign the papers. I'm coming, I'm talking about contracts again. <laughs> well, the, the issue with that is it's not real intimacy. Right. So when, when, when things are transactional, you're receiving approval. It's like, okay, I figured out how I need to be to get approval from this other person and they're doing the same thing. So now we have this like deal going back and forth. But we don't actually want approval on a deeper level. We want to be loved 
unconditionally for exactly who we are. And so intimacy, one of the reasons I wanted to talk about intimacy is because it's, it's really allowing the other person to see you completely. And I think that maybe especially when you're in a long-term relationship, it's your, your sex life goes through such peaks and valleys and it reaches this point where like the initial um, chemistry of it and everything kind of goes away and then you have to go into a deeper intimacy level. And a lot of relationships can't do that. And then you hit up against all these roadblocks and other issues when really that's what's at the core of it. Is that we don't tell our partners who we are really or what we want or what we desire in our sex lives or any part of the relationship. Do you think that like the way to figure out what you want in a relationship is by trial and error in a relationship and like seeing how deep you can go with someone or do you think it is about having such peace with yourself because I find I'm in a place of like okay I'm gonna be consciously single for this amount of time right now for whenever I feel like I'm ready not to be but like right now I'm not gonna open that door and part of me is like reading stuff like oh but just open the door because healing can happen all at once you know like you don't need to shut something off in order for it to um heal or whatever like I know it's probably individual for sure but I guess I'm wondering like do you think or do you like feel like oh yeah it's good to be alone or is it good to like go out and experiment <laughs> good question i i personally am a serial monogamous so i went from boyfriend to boyfriend to boyfriend to husband so i never even considered doing what you're doing <laughs> i don't know if that's you know healthy or not healthy I, I feel like the desire to do that must have arisen inside of you at, for some reason. So you should explore that and see if it gives you what you need. Maybe there's some kind of boundary that needed to be set. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah, for sure. I, too, have been a serial monogamist and have always Same. had overlap or like just hop to a different um, rock or whatever. But then I've kind of found, I feel like my re last relationship, which ended, you know, mid COVID, not that we don't know how long COVID's going to last for. <laughs> As if now we're the end. Earlier <laughs> in COVID town, it was the first time where it was like a real, because I don't want to really put myself in a position to date right now because of the way the world is. And it was the first time where it was just like, whoa, I am truly detoxing like off of this love. And it was an addiction. I mean, I think all love kind of has some addiction 
qualities in it, addictive qualities anyway, but this was like nothing I'd ever experienced of like base, like just like shivering in bed, I'm nauseous, like I can't talk to this person feeling. And that's like what I've realized, like, okay, that was so consuming and consumed so much of myself and I lost so much of myself in it, even if it was at the end of the day, like great and beneficial to me to, to do that for that period of time, you know, like it was also just super illuminating of like, okay, maybe I should step back and like <laughs> rebuild what, what hasn't been, you know, maybe built before, like a house by itself or whatever <laughs> without someone there. And it, it's for me, I think it's like fear of aloneness is really palpable, like, uh, as opposed to like fear of missing out, it is just kind of like the fear of being alone. And there's like this sense too of such um, timelessness because of what we're going through. So it's sort of like everything could be forever or any, everything could just end at any moment. So it feels like a good time to allow for solitary, I don't know, exploration, I guess. Um, but it is somewhat terrifying too. And I've definitely been in a place of like, am I learning anything? <laughs> Do I know who I am yet? I don't know. But it feels like it's it's the boundary thing. It's like learning learning that this is this is necessary, you know. Yeah, it it sounds like you actually went through an energetic detox from this person's energy. And when that left your body, what you were left with was the feeling of being alone. And so that that's the healing that's occurring. And we're in this very nebulous time of uncertainty. So the part of you that feels alone, I find that that part in all of us has no link to time. Like the part of us that feels chronically alone is like lost in space and it, it's not connected to linear time. So it's almost like what's happening globally is actually triggering that in so many people right now. Because our, our routines are so disrupted. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely I'm definitely getting that too. And I and I also am a I think all three of us have a very similar past that yeah, I kinda went boyfriend to boyfriend to boyfriend um to marriage, um, with like sort of openness scattered throughout. Um so I also had, you know, relationships with women here and there, um, um, sexual relationships. Um, but there is this interest, like Bridie's search for or, or longing to explore on her own is something I've definitely gone through before. And... I don't know. It feels like I'm getting that now, too. Like, within my marriage, I'm having this, like, you know, it's probably being in the same house with my child and husband all the time. 
that probably has a lot to do with it. It's like, my God, is there anyone else on earth to talk to? Like, please. <laughs> or just, I get it. yeah, just, just like, just a week alone would, would be incredible. It's so, it's such an interesting thing to yearn for alone time, but also feel lonely. Yeah. It's like both. It's, it's very interesting. And I feel like uh, a global pandemic is the only, in 2020, is the, like, one of the times where that is the case. But I, yeah, I guess, I guess I can think of other situations where that would happen. But it is really, it is really a unique time. And it seems like people are kind of going one way or the other. A lot of people seem to be opening the floodgates of exploration and growth, and others seem to be battening down the hatches way more than ever. So it's a little it's a little one or the other, or maybe you're dipping your toe in both. For me, it's floodgates. Mm. <laughs> For sure. Tell me more. Um... Well, I guess I've just been, like, way less afraid of my authentic self. And um, it seems like maybe I have protection right now as far as there's not as much pressure on my career because a lot of our careers are put on hold right now. Um, I'm also sort of emerging from my child's very early babyhood you know he's now like into toddler years becoming so much more independent he is not on my body (laughs) anymore and so I'm just I think just removing layers of dead skin and sloughing off my snake skins and something about being a mother has made me feel so much less afraid you know at the very beginning of having a child, there was all sorts of fears that would just zing in and out of my head constantly. And it was almost like my body's, my brain's way of regulating the happiness levels I was feeling. Um, But now it's like, I I don't feel scared. Like I feel like really capable of anything. And so it's given me new, I just feel so much more courageous to know myself. I felt very scared to know myself before. And I think it was just because I was like, well, what if I'm ashamed of that person? Uh, Or maybe I am ashamed of that person. Or I think that that person kind of sucks or is lame or whatever. And I don't know. This time has really allowed for me to let judgments of myself fall away and face myself and um, be really kind. You know, it's been a and it's been a, a body love journey it's been a soul love journey. It's been a spirit love journey. And the podcast definitely was the start of a journey towards uh, loving and accepting the part of myself that's um, like a nasty sex hound. <laughs> I'm curious so, yeah. about, because um, I, I know for me being pregnant, that was the most embodied I've ever felt. Totally. Like I was like, whoa, mm-hmm. I'm a woman in her body and I'm growing a human being inside of me. And this is wild. Yes. Yeah. And I, I kind of like, I felt that as you were talking, like it's gotten, you've gotten to know yourself on another level because of that 
experience? Yeah, it's really a feeling of like I remember this feeling of fullness while I was pregnant. You're filled up like imagine yourself as a pitcher and you're just filled to the top and like <laughs> you don't lose your hair during your preg- pregnancy. You're you're gaining you're gaining this weight. Your your whole body is filling up like your throat, like you can feel it in your throat. Your like lungs are pressed up, all of your organs are mushed and then gush like it just like opens up, baby comes out, liquid comes out, uh, all this blood like leaks out, all this gunk comes out for like a month, for like six weeks. There's weird stuff coming out. And and then your hair starts to fall out, <laughs> like you're catching up. Yep. And it's like this really cra- – like you lose a ton of weight when you're breastfeeding, breastfeeding – your cheeks like suddenly like the like puffy you were just this puffy pregnant woman and you're just suddenly this like emptied (laughs) pitcher and then it's like now we're just like rebuilding you know and I think I've mentioned on this podcast like even just getting to know my new body like my genitals are different you know this is just like a new vagina there's like a new vulva there's a new there's new breasts and, like, I definitely went through a period of, like, oh, they're different. This is bad. Mm. But I'm getting into the, like, oh, they're different. How exciting. Like, this is new. This is cool. Like, I'm a, I'm Kelly 2.0. So that's, yeah, the, the, the pregnancy made me, yeah, appreciate things in a new way. I actually got way more in contact with my, like, the, the cycles of sexual energy in my body after I had Juniper. I was so worried because I, I would always hear like, oh, your sex life is going to go to hell. Like, I feel Totally, like totally. But I actually am like, I'm way more horny. Mm-hmm. And I didn't expect that at all. But it's it's like during very specific times. Totally. So you have the yes. same thing? Yes. Yes. And like I started getting really into my cycle because I stopped, you know, when you have your baby and um, you you stop having your period. And so when it's once it finally came back, I was just kind of like way more co- like conscious of it, getting a break and then coming back. You're like, wait, what is this thing? And I started monitoring it a lot cl- more closely. And I keep track of like which days I'm horny in the month because that's interesting. And yeah, it's, like, it's more intense. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. cool. Yeah, it's cool. So I want to break the myth that like you don't feel sexy after you have a kid because it's not no, true. it's not. It's not, and I think that society tells you that you're done. You're like, okay, yeah. you're used goods. Bye bye. Um, you know, just just like what society tells you about everything is like, you know, at forty you disappear. <laughs> right. All these horrifying things that they tell you about being a woman just are a complete myth it's just not true and also i feel like even more and more they're like becoming fossils of like an old world (laughs) you know like it's like oh those were written in the old books that no one looks at anymore like these old textbooks that we were given or people talked out of i don't i mean i don't really feel like i hear people talking like that you know but hearing my parents talk about like age they're definitely I felt the level of influence of like they feel too old for certain things they're like in their 60s 
And it's like, man, it's so sad. <laughs> and I like try to like break through it. And I'm like, I'm not really going to break through it, I think, you know, like, I don't think there's anything I can say that will make them feel like age doesn't matter. Because I feel like we're all still detoxing from that age doesn't matter, you know, like, it's not like we've completely healed from it. So you can't. But like, I, I'm hoping that Juniper and Jonah's generation, like that won't even, like age won't be maybe even counted, <laughs> you know, like the same way. Like, I don't know. I mean, I feel like the way that time has bent and been crazy during this whole time, like it's like, it feels like our way of measuring things is just like, oh, nothing is actually uh, applies anymore. You know, like we're on a new plane of understanding how our bodies work, how time moves or doesn't move, whatever philosophy you want. And I don't know, I'm hoping that, that that's like the future because I don't feel like anyone is clinging for safety. I mean, they are, but safety in these rules of like dampening down people's potential like that's I think that's too like I mean I don't think I'm talking about political correctness but it's like the idea of evolution is so like I feel like what should be really embodied for everybody right now as opposed to policing or like trying to make rules or like stipulations on any sort of like healing process or like how something looks you know yes yeah I, I I remember when my when I was a kid and my parents turned 40 we everyone said oh you're over the hill now right I was like I'm I'm gonna turn 40 next year and I feel like I just pretty much just know like who I am now it's taken that long just for me to like have a good sense of who I am as a person. So to me, that's like a huge opening. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about. It's like, all right, I want to get out of this linear process that says like, yeah, this happens at certain times at certain ages and blah, 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 and get into a more expansive awareness of time based upon maybe my, my, my own healing journey or creative journey. So like maybe I had to experience certain things early in life that set me back in order to now move forward very quickly. Right. Or vice versa. Yeah. I think for me, like the what is paradoxical about stuff is how like much our perception is such that like someone could have the most cookie cutter exterior like life and still be honoring all of what we just said you know what i mean like basically like you don't have to be um a crazy person to be following your like compass your own like inner guidance right. and really really honoring like what you want 
while also like being like, yeah, what I want is to live in this house with my partner and our child and like for, you know, one of us to work and one of us to stay home or whatever. Like it's, it's interesting. And also like almost, I think that's what you have, you have to get me personally, I have to get out of the judgment of like, because I think a lot of my sexual experiences, relationship experiences have been in some way, first I'm going to follow my conditioning and like, just like be completely with this person. Not like that there wasn't real love in a lot of these relationships, but like I'm under conditioning and I'm following this relationship. And then I my second relation or my relationship right after is very reactive and really rebellious against what I just experienced. Yeah. So it's like, just like a different trance to be in. Yeah. Like a slingshot effect. Yes. And that's kind of too, what I'm like figuring out in the alone time is like, Oh, do I, I just keep romanticizing the other, you know, like it's like I'm alone. So now I, there's like part of me that's like, I've shut that door, but what I'm really doing is manifesting for the future relationship that I want when really it should be, but then there's the word should, which is probably wrong. So I want to make sure I'm hearing you correctly. Is it kind of like one relationship will embody a certain lesson? Yeah. Right. And then you'll leave that relationship and go on to the next one. And it's like now the new lesson is the opposite of what you just experienced. Yes. Yes. Or I, I like, and it's, it's felt like an unconscious thing, but I, I feel like getting out of the last one and having such a, like a detox from it made me realize like this pattern of, yes, like, okay, that ended and now I'm going to get the exact opposite type of intimacy. You know, I want just, just sex now, or I want like a really, you know, deep friendship or whatever it is with this person who also doesn't in my head, like exist in the same world as my ex. And I feel like that's sort of the weird type tightrope of awakening too because it is about trial and error i just got my human design chart done oh cool interesting Uh, i learned it was like i was scared because i was like man like i don't know if i want to like pile up more knowledge (laughs) self-knowledge on like stuff and like have more to figure out but it was nice because it was just like (laughs) all actually like affirming and nothing was surprising it was like Um, well, two things that really struck me was, um, I have a fear of running out of time as a big energy center in me, like, and there's always a flip side to every energy center. So I have a fear of running out of time, but I also am very in tune with divine timing. If I like allow that to, um, be, if I don't get hung up on the fear, um, And then I have a big energy center that's pressure to create art, which also like makes total sense. But my way of learning is trial and error. So I've Mm. been trying to embrace that embrace Mm. that and like really um, think about relationships and everything that has like 
come before as that, but that's how I've like seen my patterns, you know? Yeah, exactly. So that's, it's important to acknowledge that patterns are the way that we learn. And for self-help, in the self-help community, it's like all about breaking your patterns, right? You want to, you want to get out of that conditioning and be more authentically you, but we learn from our patterns. So, so there's, there's, a, there's a reason we're doing it that way, because with repetition, you see things from a different vantage point. So like, you know, one, one relationship, you'll have the same experience over and over and over and over again. And then you go to the next one and it's like, if it's the opposite, you'll get that information. And, but you're looking at it through new eyes. So you get to go, oh, well, I don't want that. And I do like mm -hmm. that. So you're gathering information. And a lot of times what happens too is you, you see um, how the other person felt when you go on to the new, the new person. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> you have their experience. Yeah, you end up with a you or yeah, something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, right, okay. Wait, wait, break that down. Sorry, you. So let's say um, you're, give me an example of something you didn't enjoy in your last relationship. I didn't enjoy um, not feeling, I felt like we used each other to hide as opposed to like face forward. Like I feel like it was, it was too cozy. We were like couch potato relationship in a lot of senses. And I didn't like that because I felt like, are we not proud of each other? Is there shame in this? You know? Yeah. Yeah, like you hid with each other. Yeah. So let's say um, in your next relationship, you have the opposite and there's, you meet someone who enlivens you, right? And you, um, you support each other and really putting yourselves out there. And it's like, oh, good, I manifested what I wanted now. But there's, you're missing that cozy aspect. And you, you start to see how the other, like your past relationship may have felt when you were um, assigning blame. Does that make sense? It's like the other, the other, per, the new person will be in your role. Mm -hmm. And you'll be in your ex's role. Right. Yeah. I definitely see that with my husband and my ex, for sure. Like, my ex was, like, the meanie of the relationship. He was, like, the mean one. Not that there always has to be a mean one. But I think I might be the mean one <laughs> now. <laughs> or, like, I can see myself flipping back. Like, basically, I just, like... I feel like I ended up with someone that just wasn't very kind. And then I found like the sweetest guy I could find. Yep. You know? And so then you see yourself as like the one that's not kind. Not that I went that far in that direction. 
but it's interesting to be like, oh, I'm like the snobby hipster of this relationship. And in my last relationship, he was like the snobby hipster of the universe. Um, So, yeah, similar. It also in talking about this, I also was thinking that like. I think in our we're conditioned in our minds to be like constantly formulating this ultimate partner. And even in my marriage now, and this just might be someone who feels non-monogamous as far as my brain wiring goes, but I don't think that there's like this final partner and especially not for everyone. Um, and maybe not for anyone. Like maybe there's like, there's always going to be these new friendships that might maybe there's friends that sort of like become intimate friends you know not necessarily sexually but like you know we reserve we're very binary about like this is my romantic partner this is my friend this is my this this is my this and sometimes those roles kind of like glide into each other and we end up with so many so many different partners that enliven or bring up, bring to the surface different aspects of our personality or our potential as like loving humans, which I find exciting. Yes. One of the things that I've noticed in my marriage, I've been with my husband for 15 years Mm -hmm. and I have changed so much. From, you know, I was 25 when I met him and now I'm almost 40. So um, going back to what you said is like, we have this idea of what a perfect partner is and we're, we're creating other intimate relationships with our friends and we're kind of, you know, seeing what really, what we really need or want or desire. And when you're with someone for a really long time, mm-hmm. You, and maybe this isn't true for everyone, but you become different people. So that act of like looking for the perfect partner or figuring out who that person is, it's it's really kind of for nothing because you just, you change so much. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's like, Night and day. I can hear Juniper. She's saying, Mom and Dad. <laughs> we can wrap up. Sorry. I was hoping no, that she right. would sleep till 2.30. That's okay. My son's nap was a mess today, too. So yeah, um, This was really fun. I, I wish we could talk longer. I know. It was great to have you, Maxine. Is there anything you wanted to end with? Any ad- advice or... A mantra? A mantra. That's what we usually ask. <laughs> for relationships and intimacy in this age or or sexuality and squirting or squirting <laughs> let me think mm. it's safe to be me mm. yeah the more you allow yourself to be you the safer you'll feel and I know it doesn't often feel that way but the more you do that the more you'll be in your body and safety lives inside of your body Mm. and the more that you can 
Well, one um, helpful thing is anytime you notice yourself maybe disassociating or withdrawing, removing your energy from a relationship in, the, in your dynamics, bring all of your awareness to your feet. Feel the earth underneath your feet and say yes to her energy and you'll start to feel it. It's like a vibration at the soles of your feet. Your feet will start to tingle and you notice your energy will start to settle and you, you'll open up, your energy system will open and it'll help you feel more safe to, to communicate mm -hmm. too. I think one of my friends told me that Yogi Bhajan said that enlightenment is honest communication. Mm. Wow. Wow. I love it. I love that personal enlightenment enlightenment leads to more intimacy with partners and with yourself. Yeah. Or maybe intimacy leads to personal enlightenment. There it is. <laughs> Woohoo. I don't right. know what, what I don't know what enlightenment feels like, but I feel like honesty and like feeling safe to really express the way that you want mm -hmm. is like the ultimate relationship. Totally. Agreed. Thank you so much for being with us today. And um, to all of our listeners out there, keep, keep squirting. Squirt.